Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball to the five, touchdown, Tampa Bay. My Gubbins does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. Hands in the Happy Friday, Bucks fans, and welcome to this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Joining us today to break down this week's game against the Green Bay Packers, former Green Bay Packer and host of the On My Block Packers podcast, Mike Wall, fellow member of the Believe Podcast Network as well, joins the show. Mike, how you doing? Hey, guys, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Looking forward to uh, talking some ball with you. It's always exciting when these two teams get together because there's a lot of history between Green Bay and Tampa Bay. You know, back when Warren Sapp was getting after Brett Favre, obviously the 2020 NFC Championship game, all the meetings in between uh, the regular season contests that, you know, go back in history. There's just there's so much history between these two teams when you really think about it. The Battle of the Bays, if you will. And both teams find themselves in a must-win situation this week, which makes the game that much more important. For the Packers, obviously, they had a three-game win streak, ran into a little bit of a little bit of a speed bump with the Giants last week, but you know, obviously still in the midst of it as far as the playoff hunt in the NFC. It's ironic. We we look at the AFC and all those teams as is, you know, playoff time gets closer and the competition gets a lot more stiff and there's a lot of mid in the NFC. There's there's six teams right now in the NFC with a six and seven record, which I think is the most that there has ever been in the history of the conference. So for the Packers, they're still chasing a wild card spot, and the Bucks, you know, a win goes pretty far uh, just to get them three in a row. The first time they could potentially be winning three games in a row since the end of the 2021 season. You want to win as many games as possible here down the stretch. So a big time matchup for both of these teams this week, Evan. Your thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, you know, for, for for the Packers, obviously, they're still battling for a wild card spot. Technically, the Bucks are too, but the Buccaneers could be battling for the, for the division still, and they're they're still in this thing because of the big win against Atlanta. Uh, had they lost against Atlanta, we're having probably a different conversation right now. But uh, they're still in the thick of things, so. If they were to maybe not win the NFC South, I mean, I think with the win against Atlanta, if they make the playoffs, it's likely going to be as the NFC South winner. I'm not sure if they'd make it as a wild card. But let's say they wouldn't win the South. This game against Green Bay could potentially matter if you still wanted to make the playoffs as a wild card. So it's a big game for both teams, and especially Green Bay wanting to get that sour taste out of their mouths uh, after a tough game against New York. And I think both teams are going to be highly motivated to come out and play their best ball here. Mike, when you look at this Packers team so far this season, especially at the quarterback position with Jordan Love, what are your thoughts of, of where they are right now? Are they... Playing ahead of schedule? Are they, you know, disappointing a lot of people? It seems like it's been a journey so far this year. Uh, I, yeah, saying it's a journey is probably the best way to put it. Uh, certainly when you have not only a first-year starter at the quarterback position, even though he's going into year four at, at Jordan Love, but you also have uh, first and second-year wide receivers. 
and you have a first-year tight end room, completely first-year tight end room. Uh, really the only veterans on this this skill position offense are, are A.G. Dillon and Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones being our leader, but he's been out for most of the season, really. At least it feels that way. So these guys have certainly gone through that that process of being able to identify uh, – identify NFL defenses pre and post snap, being able to communicate verbally and non-verbally, and then just being able to go out there and execute and be on the same page. And sometimes we've looked, we, we've looked, we, the the arrow has been pointed up for the most part over the course of the season. We've gotten better and better. Last week, I think it was just a, a, a lack of execution, particularly at the quarterback position. But what I've noticed over the last, maybe let's say month is, is head coach Matt LaFleur and that offensive staff have done a much better job of putting together an offensive game plan that fits the the characteristics of this football team, the individuals on it. So I think they're all doing the things that they're meant to be doing in the NFL and they're doing them. They're starting to do them at a much higher level, but you know, when you play a game and you lose a game the way you did against the New York giants with kind of the, the caliber of team that is quite frankly, and you were just mentioning, there's a lot of kind of uh, teams in the, in the NFC right now. It sounds, it feels like it's a three horse race really to the top. But when you lose a game like that, it starts exposing some things that maybe the three-game win streak glossed over. And uh, certainly the Packers have to address those issues if they want to make a make a splash here in the playoffs. We'll look at the injury report for both teams as we dive into this week's game. And for the Packers looking to get back to 500, we talk about the talent that they have and some of the veterans. You mentioned A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. We'll bring up that running back tandem again because it seems like Aaron Jones may potentially be making his comeback this week, but a thumb injury for A.J. Dillon means you're probably not going to get them both on the same field at the same time, which is what they've been trying to do all season uh, with with not a lot of luck. Yeah, it's been tough because Aaron's from the from game one, and I think everybody knew that going into the season he was going to be our offensive MVP. Game one against the Bears – we're not really doing a whole lot until Aaron gets his – I think Aaron gets his hands on the ball six or seven times in a row in the second half. we got to break the game open. He really is that spark for this team. He makes you know average blocking look like good blocking. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a mismatch uh, for, for nickel corners or, 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 or safeties. So he's a guy that we have really missed. And, and quite frankly, just from, a, just from a pure running back standpoint and being able to create opportunities for yourself behind the line of scrimmage – AJ Dillon has not consistently been able to do that. Is that a question of you know the offensive line's inability to move humans on, uh, from a blocking standpoint? That's part of it. But Aaron Jones can kind of get more done with less than AJ can. So yeah, getting Aaron back is probably more significant than anything else. Uh, if AJ can't go, Patrick Taylor is a guy that I think that team and that locker room feels very confident that he can fulfill that number two role behind Aaron. But the real the big thing is can Aaron Jones get a full day's work here on Sunday? Yeah, and for the Bucs, a couple of players ruled out already this week. Cornerback Carlton Davis will not be playing. And remind me who else was ruled out. Uh, I believe it is. Uh, I just actually saw the tweet. Uh, I don't exactly remember who it was, but it was from Greg Allman. So, of course, Greg Allman, Fox Sports. Uh, let's see here. It is... Uh, Carlton Davis and Will Golston. Thank so uh, everyone else will be a game time decision. That's uh, Vita Vea, Chris Godwin, Ryan Neal, uh, and Zach Triner as well. Uh, so you got a couple game time decisions, but uh, two players officially out. Yeah, and for the Bucks, you know, Vita Vea is going to be huge as we start to dive into this game. His availability, because we we talk about this underwhelming defense for the Bucks, and they've been without Vita Vea. Uh, did not have him in the game last week and you you were relying a lot more on these younger guys but his absence is felt you're paying him like a top nose tackle in the league and his presence 
He, he is. You know, you notice when he's not out there. So his status obviously going to be huge for Tampa Bay this week. But Levante David going to be back out there getting back in the swing of things. Devin White making his return is also going to be interesting because uh, the discourse on him has been open ever since he has not been playing for the Bucks these last couple of weeks. And, you know, he's a big-time free agent here coming up in the offseason. So, Evan, as we look at what the Bucks have on defense facing this Packers offense, what are your thoughts on where they are uh, health-wise? Yeah, I mean, you know, assuming guys like Jamel Dean, uh, Devin White, who have been out a little bit of time here, assuming they play, I would guess they're still probably game time decisions. Um, they didn't really practice on Wednesday, even though the Buccaneers did a walkthrough, and then they practiced Thursday and Friday. So they're trending towards playing. Uh, I mean, health-wise, yeah, it sucks that Carlton Davis is out. Uh, Will Golson's obviously going to hurt your defensive line depth, but assuming guys like Vita Vea, Devin White, Jamel Dean can play, it's going to be the healthiest that the Bucks have been in the last few weeks. Uh, even though they've won these games, you know, they beat the Panthers, uh, but were without Levante David, Devin White, and then KJ Brick got hurt in that game and Zerasi Dennis. So they beat the Panthers with only one healthy linebacker. Uh, they were missing Jamel Dean in that game as well. And then they ended up beating the Falcons without Vita Vey. Obviously, Levante David returned, still were without Jamel Dean uh, and Devin White. But if both those guys return, it's looking like even though you're down a starter in Carlton Davis, you're still going to be pretty healthy, especially on the, on the defensive side of the football. The offensive side hasn't really been hit with as many injuries as the, as the defensive side, uh, especially as of late. So it'll be nice to get those guys back for a defense, which has been like struggling as of late, even though, like I said, they have two straight wins. They did struggle at times against Atlanta. They gave up a lot of yards to Atlanta, even made things interesting towards the end there. Um, have been struggling uh, to get as many turnovers as they did early in the season. I know they did force two turnovers against Atlanta, which is a trend they're going to look to continue against Green Bay, but uh, we'll have to wait and see if they can. I think it's a big deciding factor in this game of who's going to uh, end up winning that turnover battle, but uh, uh, I do think that the Buccaneers defense getting healthy uh, is definitely a big key for them as they look to uh, make it three straight wins, is like you said. And honestly, though, it's amazing that the last time they had three straight wins uh, was in 2021, way back when uh, Tom Brady was still the quarterback. So uh, Bruce Arians was the head coach, so that they have not had three straight wins in quite some time. Yeah, the defense, you, you do bring up the turnovers from last week, and those are fantastic. But regardless, they they have to be better. Um, you just, you simply cannot give up as many yards as you did in the second half of that game, especially the way that they have in the last few games to opposing running backs, you know, it, the run game for a lot of these teams, uh, especially in teams that have beaten Tampa Bay, like the Colts game, you know, the running game is what put the bucks away. And I think depending on the philosophy here for green Bay, uh, it could potentially do that depending on Aaron Jones and his availability as well. Mike, when you look at the Packers on offense, they are 18th in scoring offense. They are 18th in total offense, 18th in passing offense, 19th in rushing offense. So kind of middle of the board uh, in every facet here. So they really could approach the Bucs any way they want to. I know it's been inconsistent quarterback play from Jordan Love and, and Aaron Jones, still a little bit of a question mark. Maybe they'll work uh, ease him in. But what do you think their philosophy is on the offensive side of the ball coming into this week? Uh, well, you have, first of all, I think Vita Vail is a good enough player and he's, he's disruptive enough. We just played Dexter Lawrence, who's probably the other premier nose tackle in the NFC. 
And um, when you play those kind of guys, they're disruptive enough that you they deserve a little bit of game planning around. So I think the game changes a little bit philosophically if, if Vita's not playing or if he's, if he's only in for a handful of snaps. I think he's compared to the rest of the people you got on, on the defensive line, he's just that much better than everybody else. Uh, but I think for the Green Bay Packers, the last four the last four weeks they've done a really good job of manufacturing offense, particularly rushing offense, without being able to run with AJ Dillon. And what I mean by that is AJ's averaging well below four yards a carry, but we're able to run the football because guys like Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, they're getting them the ball either in the backfield on jet sweeps or reverses, or they're getting them the ball at the line of scrimmage, a la like Andy Reed with the with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles back in the day, and turning that really short passing game at the line of scrimmage with tunnel screens and whatnot, and turning that into some of your some of your running production. So I think that we're getting a pretty good handle on what guys are good at. Again, talking about it before, as far as Jaden Reed being our Debo Samuel type player in this in this Cal Shanahan you know like offense that that Matt Lafleur you know graduated into. And so I, I feel like we're going to see a much of the same. We're going to try to get Jaden Reed the ball. We're going to use a lot of motion to try to, you know, do two things really. One, make sure that everyone's on the same page as far as the coverage that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be in. But two, they like to bring a lot of pressure off of like bunch and tight looks. Anton Field Jr. comes off the edge a lot. If he's down in the box, you have to account for him. If he's not, you have to figure out where he is. So guys like that and in, in, in situations where we have an opportunity to spread them out, use motion to figure out what exactly is going on and then put the quarterback in the best position to be successful is something that Matt LaFleur has kind of gradually allowed Jordan Love to do more and more during the season. And I think the three games prior to this, even this last game, is just bad throws. But you, you saw what can happen if you give him that opportunity. Yeah, and that's why it's even, you know, that much more emphasis on the Buccaneers pass rush this week to get pressure with four down linemen. I feel like we've been shouting this from the rooftops for the last three years about the Buccaneers defensive line in particular, but you you talked about the blitz. You talked about the usage of Antoine Winfield Jr. They're going to send him after the quarterback. If Devin White plays, they're probably going to send him after the quarterback a few times as well. You know, Todd Bowles has never been shy about the blitz, but it seems like in 2023, He's experimented a little bit with how often he likes to resort to it in the games. And and I think this could be a game where again, if you do not see the pressure from that front four, the Bucks are going to be relying from uh going to be relying a lot on moving some guys around, you know, bringing your safeties close to the line of scrimmage and that could lead to some mismatches. We saw a huge breakdown last week with Antoine Winfield Jr. just out of position in coverage giving up a huge what was it 75-yard touchdown over the top. Uh, it just wasn't a great look, so the Bucks definitely do have to be careful about that this week. But Evan, your thoughts and expectations for the Buccaneers' defense, specifically that pass rush, too? Yeah, I, I think that you know when you're looking at this defense, the pass rush is one of the reasons why I think this defense has struggled. Uh, you're looking at guys like Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon-Shawinka, two guys that the Buccaneers have a lot invested in. I mean, a first-round pick invested in Joe Tryon-Shawinka, um, a lot of money invested in Shaq Barrett, and right now it's just not being uh, productive enough. Vita Vey in the middle has, has been great. Kalaja Kansi as a rookie has been great. Yaya Diaby uh, in a rotational role as a rookie has been great, but uh, those guys aren't enough and what it does is when you can't get a pass rush with four it forces Todd Bowles to blitz the issue though is the Buccaneers uh, when they do blitz they haven't been getting home as consistently as they have in years past and that's where they run into trouble when you're putting your corners on that island uh, especially in today's NFL it just spells trouble when when you blitz and you can't touch the quarterback no matter who it is whether it's Levante David blitzing, Anton Winfield Jr. blitzing, Devin White blitzing, no matter who uh, typically wouldn't send a uh, don't really send corners on blitzes. It's normally those three uh, or any other type of, uh, you know, packets that they have with an extra linebacker or something. But 
when they haven't been able to get home, that's when they've been burned. And the secondary has come under a lot of criticism, uh, especially over the past, I'd say, six or seven weeks, really ever since the you know the, the Houston Texans game, right, where C.J. Stroud passed for uh, the, the rookie record for, for yards and everything and beat the Bucs, you know, ran, went down the field very quickly, right, in 46 seconds and, and beat the Bucs. I think ever since then, the, the secondary has really been under a lot of heat, and rightfully so. I mean, they haven't played uh, as well as, as they could have. Jamel Dean has struggled. Carlton Davis has struggled. So I think when you're looking at this defense, it starts with the pass rush. It starts with that front four, I think. That's that's going to be key. Uh, if Green Bay can protect Jordan Love and give him time, even though you know the Packers wide receivers at times have been inconsistent, uh, as we've seen the past few weeks, the Packers offense has been getting much better. Uh, Jordan Love as a whole has been getting much better. So if you give Jordan Love time to find guys, uh, I just don't know how good of a day it's going to be for the Buccaneers secondary. 264 yards allowed per game, which is 30th in passing defense in the NFL for the Buccaneers secondary. 10th in rush defense, only averaging 98.8 yards allowed per game. But it's still not the same run defense it was when it was, you know, top two in the league. Uh, 2019, 2020. Well, and, and also, I think those numbers are skewed a little bit because teams aren't running on Tampa as much. Sure. So, you know, you're it's a smaller sample size because teams know that to attack them, yeah, you're, you're probably going to throw the ball 30-plus times to be able to attack this defense effectively, and it's been effective for the most part. Yeah. We talk about the offensive approach now for Tampa Bay, and let's continue the conversation on the run game. Dave Canales came out this week, the offensive coordinator, and says that, you know, he, he is all in favor of continuing to be stubborn with the run game. If he gets a look that they like from the opposing defense, they are going to run the other team out of town. And uh, that's what they have done these last couple of weeks with the emergence of Rashad White. We had mentioned two out of 300-yard rushing days for him over the last three games. And he's he's that much more of a facet in the receiving game as well. I think it's going to be another heavy day for him this week. I mean, no snow as far as we know on the forecast in Lambeau. The Bucks have played a snow game. I think the last time they played in Lambeau in the snow was that one overtime thriller with Jameis Winston and what was that 2017 2018 mm. I don't know they lost but uh regardless you know no snow but I have to think that stubbornness in the run game is is going to continue for another week in a row what do you think Evan yeah I I I, I think so um especially look I mean gonna be honest like yeah they've been winning but like baker mayfield has not looked as sharp as he has in the past uh few weeks that he did in the first four or five games of the season you know he has not looked as sharp the turnover bug uh has bitten him a little bit luckily he was able to avoid that in atlanta if he doesn't they probably lose the game i think that was a huge key for him not being not turn the ball over at all uh but uh, i do think the buccaneers are gonna rely on rashad white especially uh in that second half against atlanta particularly in the fourth quarter, I mean, they just wore down Atlanta's uh, defensive line, and they were pounding the rock, and it was, I mean, getting not three, two, three yards, they were getting four, five, six yards a run. Uh, it was just uh, really gashing them, so I think Rashad White's going to be a heavy dose here, both in the run game and pass game. I, obviously, we saw he took that screen pass to the house last week, uh, really jump-started the, the Bucks and had them, you know, up two scores at that point, so uh, I think you're going to see a lot of Rashad White. I think you're going to continue to see that for the rest of the season. And it's a good progression that they're going through. Uh, particularly, I just hope 
The only thing that worries me about Dave Canales' comments, and look, look, he's made it very clear throughout the season, even when they were really struggling to run the ball, like he's not going to shy away from it, right? We're not going to change the game plan and have Baker Mayfield throw the ball 45 times because, quite frankly, that's just that's not a successful recipe. Uh, but I don't know if you can expect to run at the pace that you did against the Atlanta Falcons, uh, particularly in that second half where that's just not consistently going to happen in the NFL. It's just, it's not going to happen. You're going to be facing tougher opponents and tougher environments. And particularly in this environment in Lambeau in December against the green Bay team, who's going to be desperate for a win coming off a disappointing loss. I think their, their defense is going to, you know, really take some pride in it. And I think they're going to try and stop these. I mean, they look at the same thing we all do. Right, they see what Rashad White did, um, and they're going to try and stop it because they know that if the Bucks can are able to run the ball too, they have the offensive weapons on the outside with Evans and Godwin to be able to attack you that way. So, uh, being able to make the Bucks one dimensional is pretty key in this. Yeah, these past two weeks, as you had mentioned, the Bucks have been in a position to put the game away in the fourth quarter with the run game. I don't think that's going to happen this week. It's a tough place to play. It's Lambeau in December. I know it's a huge loss for Green Bay, who was previously undefeated with Matt Lafleur in Lambeau in the month of December before the Giants came to town. Um, but it's it's still going to be an incredibly tough game. Now, the numbers are in the Bucks' favor as far as what the rushing game allows in Green Bay. Uh, they are ranked 31st in rush defense, allowing 141.8 yards per game. But the reason I don't think allowing Baker Mayfield to throw the ball quite as much this week uh, is simply because they still have a top 10 secondary. Despite the injuries on the defensive side of the ball, Mike, Still eighth in passing defense, only averaging 200.2 yards allowed per game. The Green, Day, uh, the Green Bay defense has still done a pretty good job at just neutralizing offenses this year. Yeah, any success they've had has really been based from you know from the uh, from the defensive line moving moving back. Really, I know you, you just talked about the secondary and, and the the passing numbers look good, but the reality is we've given up four 200 yard rushing games this year, and when when you do that, there's not a whole lot of need to throw the football. And, uh, you know, guys like Jared Goff, even in the Thanksgiving, he threw the ball all over the yard. So so teams have had success on that, certainly. But when our defensive line comes to play, we have a lot invested in our defensive line. We have some really good ends. Our outside linebackers, Rashad Gay and Preston Smith, are, are, are really, really quality players. Kenny Clark's a third-round pick from years ago out of San Bernardino, California, that is just – uh, he's been a really good leader and good player for that team. He can he can win the one-on-one one -on -one battle up front. and But for whatever reason – at the second level, at the linebacker position, not being able to fill gaps fast enough, missing a lot of tackles and, and run fits in the secondary. We just miss tackles. And when you miss tackles in the National Football League against good players, you know, you got guys like Rashad White licking your chops. And I, you know, I, I watched the Falcons game and I go, well, if the Falcons are going to run six in the box against an NFL team and they don't get run on, then, you know, shame on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't know that the, the Green Bay Packers are going to spend too much time in a six-man box against against you know a, a tight end attached football team in the, in Tampa Bay, I don't know that that makes a lot of sense, especially given how bad they've been at the running game. One would think that they try to put it stack the box, put at least six excuse me, put at least seven players in the box at all times, and then account for additional tight ends if necessary. But play single safety and force Baker Mayfield to beat you. I know there's issues with Mike Evans, obviously on the outside. If you do that, we don't know if Alexander is going to be healthy. We took we took Rasul Douglas and gave him a bus ticket to uh, to, to Buffalo for a third round pick or fifth round pick, which shouldn't make a lot of sense to anybody. But right now we got Court, uh, Valentine and Valentine outside, young guys playing well. Uh, for the most part, and I 
I would my guess is listen, if if you're giving up 31st in the league in rushing, like Green Bay Packers have a history of playing good football, and that's bad football. So my my guess is they're going to do everything they can to make this a one-dimensional football game, even if it's at the expense of m- missing a couple big plays downfield with Mike Evans. Evan, when you look at obviously what the Bucks have on the table with this offense, Mike Evans was absent last week, one catch, and he didn't get it till the third quarter. So Atlanta obviously did their homework and did a good job at taking him out of the game. But, you know, there's still a couple of guys who could pop up and have an underrated day on this Buccaneers offense. I, I think the tight ends could be in the discussion as well this week. Kate Otten has been an underrated part of this Buccaneers offense in his second season so far this year. So if it's not Rashad White, I still think there's room for for maybe someone else, maybe Kate Otten. I don't think he's going to have a monster day. But if Mike Evans has a tough day once again, then maybe this is the week we've been waiting for, for Chris Godwin to get back into the game. I, I mean, he's only going to get limited targets, but but what do you think uh, with what the Bucks have? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if Jair Alexander is healthy enough, you know, it's the second straight week of a tough corner matchup for Mike Evans. Uh, facing A.J. Terrell last week, it'll be Jair Alexander this week, two of the better corners in, in not just the NFC, but in the NFL. Uh, and Atlanta did, like you said, a great job of disguising coverages, uh, really taking away Mike Evans. I mean, not only did he only have one catch, he only had, I believe, two or three targets. Uh, so it wasn't even like they were really targeting him or throwing the ball his way. Uh, he just didn't get to him no they didn't even throw the ball uh, near him so Atlanta did a really nice job and I'm guessing Green Bay is going to try and replicate what they did and, and sort of uh, mask you know what they did and, and take Mike Evans out of the game because when you do that uh, yeah it, it's going to help it definitely is going to help and uh, I do think Kate Otten could be a guy that's involved like I mentioned earlier I think Rashad White in the passing game is going to be involved and look we, we've been you know beating this dead horse basically about Chris Godwin right and and it's a, a weekly discussion now of when this when is this guy going to get going he did have some success against Atlanta obviously had the, the big play on third down which ended up leading to the Kate Otten touchdown last week if you know if that ball is incomplete and the Bucks are facing a fourth and eight fourth and nine there with the season on the line essentially not sure how that goes but uh you know chris godwin made a pretty clutch play there they're gonna need some more plays from him though i don't know if you can expect mike evans only have one catch i think that's gonna be an emphasis to get mike evans involved early um i think they're gonna you know give him some easy ones right to work with nothing big maybe you know get, get him a little bit warmed up um you know, just like Mike said, you know, there, there's some opportunities to throw against this Green Bay team, but I do agree with Mike when he says they're also going to force Baker Mayfield to beat them. And I think that's the right play right now. And that's what, honestly, most defenses are probably going to do. Uh, they're going to force Baker Mayfield to probably beat you. Uh, obviously, in certain situations uh, on the road in Lambeau, is Baker Mayfield going to be able to go in there uh, and play well enough to win? We'll have to wait and see. But um, I think getting Mike Evans involved early and then sprinkling in guys like Chris Godwin, Kate Otten, and Rashad White is going to be the key here. I was just going to add to that. You know, that's the beauty of having a Mike Evans on your football team. And, and sometimes, you know, across the country, Mike Evans is kind of underrated. Yeah. He's a Hall of Fame football player. And maybe it's because Baker Mayfield's his, his quarterback. But when you when you watch this game, you know, take a look at early on when you're game playing. If you're an offensive coordinator, if you're Dick Nelson, you're game planning for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Your first question is how are they going to play Mike? That's yeah. your first question, and you're going to figure it out early. And what was confusing last week, just as somebody who likes watching tape, is offensively the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will not always take advantage. Like you can put Mike Evans on the right, and you can put four receivers out into Rouse on the left. 
And you can figure out very quickly because like when I say you're going to play single safety high, I'm telling you right now that you can't play single safety high and double Mike Evans. Like that's a, that's something that is not possible to do, right? Otherwise you're playing zero with everybody else. Mm-hmm. So when the Green Bay Packers are thinking about this game, they have to at least show too high for a lot of this game and have and have guys feel it and triggering quickly. But if you're going to have your eyes on Mike, otherwise you're leaving a, a, a Hall of Fame caliber player one-on-one and eventually he's going to hook up. The question that Ken Nelson and De Baker Mayfield, all these guys have to figure out is, when we determine that he's not going to be our go-to because they're doubled, what what is our next two matchups? Because Baker does a good job of getting to his fourth and fifth read at times. Like if he give if you give him pocket time, he's a smart player. You know, Baker's a, a journeyman because he's had really bad coaching for a lot of years, and this is his first real chance to get. I could be the guy here if he can get get the job done, and in a in a stable organization, right? But he can get to those reads. It's just can you get there? faster can you just turn this one off and can we get over here quicker and that there's opportunities all over that tape to do that he's just not quite doing that at the level that is, that is required yet yeah a big thing yeah, with baker too that, is, that, that, that's been a big problem for baker his whole career you well, know it's the, the 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 processing part of things and he can get to the read but a big thing that i've noticed this year too is his ability to just pull the trigger you know there's been there's been a couple of times yep. this year where he's in the pocket he gets a good look has time has time to pump fake and then psychs himself out, decides to keep it and run. And, and that's been the difference for for the Bucks in a couple of these games, especially towards the end of the game in some of the uh, previous matchups we've talked about where they've had to rely on this offense down the stretch. And if you come out and you give us that look and go three and out, it, it's not going to be great for the Bucks, who are still going you know, a long way in, in determining if Baker's going to be that guy for the future. But, Mike, I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted to ask you some more about you know, from an outside perspective, as a as a guy who, of course, has a love of the game, uh, but as someone who looks at what Baker Mayfield has done in Tampa, and obviously what you think he can do this week, you know, what are your thoughts so far? Do you think the Bucks? You think the Bucks fans are maybe being a little too harsh on him? Because I I, I tell you, it is eighty twenty negativity down here as far as you know what the what the loudest of noises are among the fan base regarding Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and obviously Tom Brady goes down there for one year and wins a Super Bowl. That's tough, right? But you got to remember, yeah. you won a Super Bowl with Brad Johnson too. Yeah, like Brad, Brad free, was, you know, Brad, Brad is an NFL quarterback and nothing more. Yeah, free you, agent you know, QBs get it done. We're like the opposite yeah. of Green Bay. Yeah. So, so here's what I always talk about when people ask me about quarterbacks. I just I go listen. We have 32 NFL football teams and we don't have 32 NFL quarterbacks. Like that's a fact. Like there are not 32 starting caliber. What what mo, even the casual fan would go, that is not a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. You know, you look at some of these teams even right now. And so when you think about it's Baker or what else? And for me, I look at Baker Mayfield. I was a huge fan of his in college. He gets drafted and they have, I think, four coordinators in four years. He goes through the whole debacle with uh, I forgot, I even forgot the, the 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 guy's name, but they get fired. He gets uh, Kenny doesn't matter, the but Dorsey? they go through multiple coach head coaches, multiple coordinators. Pickens, Pickett, Pickens, anyways, over in Cleveland, bounces to Carolina, bounces to actually has like something in McVay in L.A., but you know he's just a, a placeholder there until until Stafford gets back. And so this is his like real. This is his. A lot of people could look at this and go, like, this is your first year of real football. I know that sounds crazy because he's been in the NFL. And, you know, from the outside perspective, you're going, wait a second, these are all NFL franchises, NFL coaches. Not all franchises are built the same, and not all coaching staffs are built the same. And he has right now, this might be his best 
his first and best real chance to be successful. Now, what he does with that, you just have to continue to to build, develop those. When you're talking about pump, you see it, but you're not doing it. Well, if you're not executing, like you're probably not the guy. So you just have to be able to prove that I can identify, I can communicate to my to my teammates, and I can execute. You got to do those three things at an elite level if you want to play quarterback in the National Football League. And Baker has the tools. He's proven that he has the tools to do it. What a guy like Baker probably needs is a little more confidence and preparation. I think a lot of that comes from where you're at and who you're with. One more guy on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense I wanted to highlight. And, you know, I, I don't think we've quite given this guy as much credit as we should have this week. He had a great week last week. That's the running back, too. That's Chase Edmonds. There has been a lot of talk on today's show about the run game for both teams. And Chase Edmonds was the man last week. He had eight carries for 40 yards, averaging five yards a toe. It doesn't get much better than that. I think if the Bucks are going to rely on the run game this week, you're going to need another performance similar. I, I'll say this. Sample size is important, Evan, and I want to get your take on this, but I've been a huge fan of what I've seen this season from Chase Edmonds as the running back, too. It was kind of a revolving door the first couple uh, weeks of the season for Tampa Bay. You had, you know, an undrafted free agent back there in Sean Tucker. He seemingly has not been back after, like, week five. And then, of course, Keyshawn Vaughn, who they literally ran into the ground, your favorite player of the third-round pick from a couple of years ago. So Chase Edmonds is that guy, and he has done a really good job. In the several games that he has had, you know, four or five carries or more, he's averaging four-plus yards per carry, and uh, you're going to need a lot of that again this week if it's going to be run heavy. Yeah, and the interesting thing you you say you know, about run heavy, and that that's right. I mean, you, know, you can't run Rashad White 30 times. So, um, you know, yeah, Chase Edmonds has proven that he can do that, and it sucks that he got hurt early in the season. He got hurt week two, uh, so he had to miss a couple of games there, and that's sort of why that revolving door at running back two was there. Uh, yeah, and they were playing just some not good running backs. Like, Chase Edmonds is a better running back than Keyshawn Vaughn. He is a better running back than Sean Tucker. Um, and the, the other thing that Chase Edmonds can help out with is in the passing game, and he has experience doing that. Uh, his acceleration, I, I think, is one of his best you know assets, so if you get him in, in the in the screen game uh, and he gets a little bit of space I think he could be dangerous that way but yeah I would expect you know to see a little bit of Chase Edmonds here as well because look I mean Rashad White's had some really good weeks but uh, like mid-season there was a lot of questions about whether or not he was the guy or just a guy and, and I think Rashad White is probably best served and this might not be you know i'm not saying the bucks have to go out and do this in the offseason or they have to do this for the rest of the season but rashad white's probably best served not being the bell cow guy but probably being that 1a 1b type guy where it's kind of him and somebody else right not him and three other guys who are like the 49ers used to do it before christian mccaffrey got there whether it be you know jeff wilson and eli mitchell and all these guys no but i think rashad white's probably best when he's not getting every single touch out of the backfield i think that's his best that's his strongest suit and i think chase edmonds being there and being productive could certainly help that so yeah it's, it's good that you mentioned him mike when you look at the packers on offense or defense is there one player in this game who you would look at as an x factor for them basically the make or break guy you know if he doesn't perform well uh then the team likely doesn't perform their game plan to the best of their abilities I, I got. I honestly got put to so many, and the obvious one you're going to say is Jordan Love. Let's see on on defense. I, I don't think Tristan Wirfs is really, really good. Like he's 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 a unicorn good in the National Football League. He's he's special. The rest of those guys are not moving a lot of humans off the ball, 
And because of that, you like you have to like the Falcons last week. I go back to it. They're running six in the box. Like they got a shade, and then like they have like a wide nine on the other side of Werfs, and and so they just had this easy double team on the nose tackle up to the line. It was like an easy game. They're running their they're running their little you know open side gap schemes and whatnot. I if our linebackers don't get and play on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I think this is going to be a game that plays right into Tampa's hands. Like we've, we've had the Green Bay Packers have had two different types of linebacker play. We've tried to penetrate and play on the opposite side of the line of scrimmage. And we've had a lot of success and we've tried to sit back and catch. And we've had, we've had a lot of bad, you know, a lot of, you know, five, six, seven yard tackle guy, eight yards off the line of scrimmage. So I think our, how our linebackers play, if, if Quay Walker's back, if Isaiah McDuffie's filling in for him, like how that goes to Andre Campbell, I think that's important on the defensive side. And then offensively, We've used Jaden Reed last week in particular because Christian Watson is out. Jaden Reed, our rookie from Michigan State, um, we're using him to identify defenses. We're using him as a complement, complementary piece in the in the running game. We're using him in the screen game. So he's kind of become, like I said before, kind of our Debo guy where he plays receiver, but we want to hand him off the ball. We want to run jet sweeps. We want to run screens, tunnels, all of that kind of stuff. But they're using him across the ball to to identify coverage and identify and identify pressure opportunities. So. His his kind of unique skill set has really played in, I think, help evolve this offense. It would be nice to get Christian back because he can take the cover off the he can take the top off the defense. But if you're just looking to a excuse me about that. Sorry about that, guys. If you're looking for a guy that really changes the complexity uh, or the complexion of of how Green Bay Packers have run their offense over the last, let's say, two months, it's evolved because of Jalen Jaden Reed's uh, involvement. Evan, who who are you thinking? Yeah, well, really quick, uh, quick note on Jaden Reed. Yeah, I really did. I liked him pre-draft. Uh, I thought it was a great pick by the Packers and starting to really become a focal point at offense. So, can you imagine uh, he was a he was an All American, and then like everybody forgets about him because his quarterback's no good. Yeah, so he was an, he was an All American's like sophomore year, and then they lose their quarterback, so he doesn't get any balls the next year, and everybody forgets that he that he's a good player. It just mm-hmm. shows you like how messed up the NFL draft process is, man. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah, you can sorry. you can find some steals, can find some steals for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean. I think I'm going to go X factor on defense and offense. Um, we're talking about on on defense. I'll probably say Vita Vea, assuming he plays, uh, because I just think I I think whoever wins that that front four battle on either side of the ball is going to who's you're going to look at the you know the end of this game at five o'clock at, at night on Sunday. You know, you're going to be looking at this game and be like, oh yeah, the Packers won because they just control the line of scrimmage better, or the Bucks won because you know they were able to get after Jordan Love and they were able to protect Baker. Mayfield. I just think that's going to be a key. So Vita Vea plays. Uh, I think he is going to be the X factor on defense. And then on offense, I it's going to be boring, but it, it's going to be Baker Mayfield. And I know Baker Mayfield was also my X factor last week, but just like Mike said, I think the Packers could put Mayfield in a lot of situations where it's going to be Mayfield has to make the throws to beat the Packers. Like, I just, I don't know if they're going to make things easy, uh, you know, on first and second down, get these four, five, six yard runs to set up third and short, second and short, you know, it makes things, you know, easier for the offense. I think the Packers are going to want the Buccaneers in those second and longs and third and longs to force Mayfield to make those throws, just like Atlanta did at the end of the game, you know, that last week. Mayfield was able to make the throws last week. Can he do that on a consistent basis here in a tough environment? We'll have to wait and see, but I, I think Baker is, is the X factor for the ball. I know it's boring. I wish I could pick somebody else, but I just think the ball's going to be in his hands. When, when, it's a big game, right? And the ball's going to be in his hands. That's, you know, he's going to want the ball in his hands. That's what you're paying him for. That's what he's playing for a contract for. So I, I think you're, you're going to want that. 
to all of our listeners, I, I want to say I've tried to be more positive. I, I've been working on it. And listen, I'm the eternal optimist here on the show uh, for any of you not up to speed. But something about this Bucks team, even though they have stacked two wins, two division you, you wins. Can't, you can't back, trust them. You, you can't trust you them. You can't, which is why I do not think Tampa Bay wins this football game. I, I, I think a lot of things... Just like they have all season, I think a lot of things have to go right for the Bucks to win. And I think the trajectory that the Packers were on, you know, three wins in a row, I know that loss to New York had to be incredibly demoralizing because as a non-Packers fan, I went to bed and I was like, ah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, both of the games that were on, it was Tennessee, Miami, and then it was New York and Green Bay. I went to bed 0-2 on my picks. Uh, because I just completely discounted the Giants at this point in the season. And that's obviously on me because it's any given Sunday uh, or primetime game. Yeah, it's, it's game. Tommy DeVito. Yeah, so. it's Tommy Cutlet. Say, you know, come on. But I just think the Packers are on a better trajectory than the Bucks are, which is crazy to say because the Bucks are obviously fighting for the top of their division and, and the Packers playing for a wild card spot here. But. I think the quarterback play, you've got a little more upside, realistically. Mm -hmm. I I know we talked about the inconsistency from Jordan Love. And listen, I'm not a guy who watches the Packers every week, but I am a guy who has watched Baker Mayfield every week, and and I still think that's a big question mark. You know, I I think the Packers have seen a a lot to like from Jordan Love, and I think you would agree, even though there is probably a lot to not like. But regardless, I think this Packers defense is going to make it tough running the football uh, and they're just gonna they're gonna make Baker uncomfortable. It's gonna be up to Dave Canales to not only scheme him uh, some some high percentage plays, you know, play action rollouts of Baker Mayfield. That's his bread and butter. I'd love to see a little bit more of that. Seems like they got away from that as the season went on. But uh, if they force him to throw the ball, I don't know how well it's gonna go. It's not gonna lead to a lot of points. So I've got the Bucks dropping this one in Lambeau. No shame in losing in Lambeau in December. Twenty to seventeen is is my final score prediction. I think the Packers. Win it by a field goal. What do you think, Evan? Yeah, I mean it's it's tough to like I just said it's tough to trust this Bucks team um, in a tough environment. Green Bay is gonna be motivated to win. I mean, you know, fighting for a wild card spot. You, you, two losses down the stretch. You know, two straight losses in December. I don't know if you can have that, right? So um, that would be pretty killer if they were to to do that. And uh, just, I mean, even the the way they lost against the Giants, you know, taking the lead um, and then surrendering it pretty quick there. I think they're going to come out, you know, motivated in front of the home crowd. And I just, like you said, I just think it's, there's more upside with Green Bay's roster too, uh, and I think that uh, the high-end players that Green Bay have, if they come to play, you know, like the the Kenny Clark, the Preston Smith, um, you know, I think they, they could have real problems uh, as far as you know Tampa Bay goes. But um, and, and you know when you look at the quarterback position, right? Jordan Love could definitely be a guy who, which by the way, like. The Bucks defense has given up a ton of explosive plays this year, and Jordan Love has been one of the best quarterbacks uh, hitting downfield throws so far this season. Even when he was struggling earlier earlier in the season, um, you know they were still able to hit to some of those shots. So uh, look out for guys like Jaden Reed, right? Even though I'm not sure it, Christian Watson, he's out, right? Right, Mike? There's only two guys that missed practice today. I can't remember who they were. Um... Well, I, yeah, Christian Watson could very well be out. There's a there's just a litany of injuries at this time of year, as you guys know. But uh, we'll we'll have to we'll have to. See. Christian Watson was the one that started uh, started catching some of those those fifty uh, fifty balls that Jordan's been throwing up all season. And he, I mean, when you say he's connecting on deep balls, I, if I'm just being honest with it, then it's not pretty. 
If yeah. it's if, if they're all contested catches, and I mean he's a foot, there's been a, there's a lot of there's a footwork issue and whatnot, but yeah, if Christian Watson's out, that deep threat changes does change a little bit because those contested catches are out the door. Yeah, so when looking at this game, I actually think this game is going to be a little bit higher scoring uh, than you do, Rhett. I think both offenses could have some success here. Uh, the Bucks' offense is trending in the right direction. The Bucks' defense is trending in the wrong direction. So I think when you combine that, being on the road for the second straight week in a tough environment, uh, I don't think the Bucks win. I do think it's a little bit higher scoring. I'm going to say uh, Packers 27, Bucks 23. What do you think, Mike? You know that sounds about right. I thought it was going to be both both teams probably in the twenties from a scoring perspective. I I think right now when you look at your injuries and again we just don't know who's going to play, but just based on last week alone, like the Packers roster is that we put out last week is better than the Bucks roster that they put out last week. And so we're just basing off that. If you have players, all these things do change. Devin White obviously, but I, I think for roster man for man, we just have a a stronger roster right now. Um, and offensively, as bad as it looked last week. You know, when you when you have bad footwork at the quarterback position, there's going to be weeks where you throw you you miss the gimme throws, and there's weeks that you won't. And so, if, if Jordan Love bounces back, has a little more attention to detail, that that game last week looks a lot different. And certainly, I think going up against this Bucks defense looks a lot different. We put some points on the board uh, for the first time in a while I, at home. And defensively, look, you, I've never been around or followed a team that's given up 200 yards this many times in like in the National Football League. So every time we talk about stopping the run, I, I just remember like, yeah, we said that against the Falcons. Yeah, we said that against the Giants. And and so while this Tampa Bay team doesn't – I don't think it puts the fear in God of you from a running the football standpoint, you do have to point to last week and go – it looks like they figured some stuff out. They were willing to stick with it. And one thing I like about your offensive lineman we didn't really talk about was I don't think they move humans very well, but they what they do is they stay square to the line of scrimmage and they stick to the guys pretty well. So if you know Rashad White and these guys can can kind of just bide their time, they do a pretty good job of sneaking through some holes and getting extra yards, falling forward for five or six. And that's where the Green Bay Packers have really been bad. So that's gonna be a big matchup. I you know, 27-23 sounds about right to me. Packers. Big time matchup this week for both of these teams. A must-win game in the quest for the postseason. But that's just about going to do it for this week's game preview edition of the Cannon Fire podcast. I want to say very special thank you to our guest, Michael Wall, from the On My Block Packers podcast. Mike, where can the people find you and your content? Yeah, you can follow me at MikeWall68 on Twitter, Process Perform on Instagram. You can check out the uh, On My Block podcast on YouTube, any you know our Process to Perform channel on YouTube or anywhere you get your uh, your audio version. We do a ton of film breakdown. So if you guys like watching video, I got a big breakdown of the Bucks as well for this preview show that just came out yesterday. Check that out, On My Block podcast on YouTube. Awesome. We appreciate your time, man. Looking forward to a good game this week. Always seems like fun. I, I will say... The last time these two teams played was week three of the 2022 season. It was the home opener. It was, I think it was, or no, it was week four. I'm sorry, but it was the first week of October and holy hell, it was hot. I, uh, I got some, some pretty decent, some pretty decent tickets for that game, but man, I was sweating it out. One of the, one of the hotter games I remember uh, in the month of October. I had a, uh, I had YouTube thing pop up on me yesterday and I'll just date my, my age, but I played in that 2020 or the 2002 game when we were down in Tampa and Warren Sapp laid out my buddy Chad and on the, uh, on the blind side on the pick. I don't know if you guys remember that, but um, those were Tampa back when we were in the same division, those were battles, man. I mean, that I've, <laughs> yeah. I've, I've looked back so fondly 
on being able to go down and play Warren Sapp and Simeon and, and Lynch and, and Brooks, you know, all those guys, what a bunch of quarrels. I mean, what a bunch of studs they had back, back in the day. They were an absolute, just an absolute train wreck to play against on offense, man. That now, was when, when, when you talk about really quick, when you talk about, you know, game planning and you're, you're always looking at one particular guy, mm-hmm. how, how'd you go about with, with that? You know, with, with all those players, you name was there, was it stopping sap? Was yeah, it trying sap. to limit? Bro- okay. Yeah. yeah. It was always, and every, you know, listen, I don't we had a really good offensive line and running game. We had a Mon Green in the backfield, Will Henderson. Um, our whole at, at one point or another, I think our entire offense was Pro Bowl players. We, we were just really good. And I don't ever remember having a game plan for a linebacker or safety corner, nothing. But I but we did have to Warren Sapp was a guy that was like, okay, we're gonna slide to him whenever we can. And when we can, it's like you just gotta you gotta figure out how to make it happen. Simeon Rice was a, a really, really good player. But for whatever reason, Chad Clifton could, you know, could always have success against him. So it was always like I played left guard. Marco Rivera played right guard. And it was always like, can you guys just please not let Warren? Because Warren was always yapping at Brett anyway. So there was this thing going. It was always hyped up. And so they were always kind of on their best day. But, yeah, we would we would walk into that game going, if we don't block Warren, we're in trouble. The good news about that was um, – the nose tackle, whether it was Booger McFarlane or I think I forgot that there was a white, uh, like six foot one white guy who preceded him. I can't remember who, who it was. Um, he lost like 90 pounds afterwards. What was his name? Uh, Culpepper. But uh, it was the John Culpepper, something like that. Brad Culpepper. Brad Culpepper. That's right. Uh, so whether it was one of those two guys, they couldn't rush the passer at all. Like they were, it's like negative pass rush. So Warren would always be like, wait till I get my guy, wait till I get my guy. And we'd go down there and be like, man, he's still not here. Like, when's he going to show up? We'll just, we'll just keep double teaming you until you get another pass rusher to, at the uh, nose tackle spot. I, I got to say, man, you know, one of my favorite things about that rivalry, and we'll we'll wrap it up with this. I don't know if you're a uniform snob at all, but there's something about just core, to me, core football memories. Like some of the first memories I have watching football on TV, just the colors that I remember. It's that red and pewter facing off against the white and the yellow, man. Something about it. I don't know what it was. It's why I got really, really, really excited when I saw Green Bay was coming to town back in 2020 with Brady. I think that game was week six because I knew we were going to see that matchup. I don't think the Bucks ended up wearing red. They ended up wearing no. They, they 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 don't wear red at all. Yeah, so. I mean they've worn the red one time this season, and this week marks the eleventh time they have worn their white. So rest in peace, I guess, unofficially to the red and pewter. <laughs> it's our primary colors. You would think they embrace it some more, uh, but they don't. Regardless, looking forward to a good matchup this week between these two teams. It's always a lot of fun. Mike, thank you again for your time. Follow our show on social media: Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram, Bucks underscore daily, the number one Tampa Bay Buccaneers news page on Instagram, rapidly approaching 30,000 followers. You can also find Evan on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What have you got this week? Yeah, going to be doing the uh, the SB Nation Q&A, the five questions with the Packers SB Nation site, as well as the X Factor, which I know I named Baker Mayfield here. Might do Vita Vea just for the article's sake, so I don't have two straight articles talking about Baker Mayfield uh, being the X Factor, so keep an eye out for that. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram and Twitter, at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. We'll talk to you guys on Sunday. Win, lose, or draw. We'll be live right here after the game. 
youtube.com forward slash cannon fire podcast we will talk to you then i'm your host rip matthew signing off from my co-host evan wanish and our special guest michael wall thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you the next one until then and as always uh go bucks thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.